Welcome to Comforting the Chaos, a podcast that highlights uncomfortable topics surrounding mental health and tries to help normalize tough and necessary discussion with thoughtful insight. I am one of your hosts, Paola Furman. And I'm Jackie Palm. Today we will be introducing ourselves and talking about why we decided to start this endeavor. I think it's a passion project for the both of us personally, but then we also feel like it's important enough to put out into the community as well. Paula, why don't you introduce yourself first? Of course. I was born in the Dominican Republic and moved to the U.S. at the age of 12. I am the oldest of eight children, seven from my father's side and three from my mom's. I lived in New York for four to five years. I moved to PA at the age of 16. I have two boys, one little girl and a puppy that I love very much. My parents separated when I was really young. It was around the age of, I would say, four. And ever since then, it was a lot of moving around. And then I came with my mother to the U.S. when I was 12, like I said before. I also moved around a lot when I was here. I had to learn English, which was very hard for me since my first language is Spanish. When I moved to Pennsylvania, it was also hard to adjust. Um, it's completely different than New York. I can imagine. It's a whole different <laughs> life. Then I went through my teenage years, a lot of trauma to heal from. I believe this podcast will help comfort ourselves, but not just ourselves, but other people to help them relate to us and to know that they're not the only ones that have, I will say, the hard times comforting their chaos yeah. um, for us, you know. We have our struggles still. We still work every day through them. But every day is better and better. I would agree. My introduction (laughs) (laughs) is I grew up in York, Pennsylvania, and my family transplanted over here in like seven years ago to Lancaster County. And I have two boys and I've been married to my husband for almost 11 years which is crazy because I don't feel like I should be that old to (laughs) have been married for that long or have an almost 10 year old son but you know and I worked as a mental health professional that was my goal for a long time was to be a counselor and I did that for about three years And I burnt out from it. But I still had a real passion for mental health because of my own journey. Growing up, there was domestic violence, mental illness in my family with my parents. And so I didn't really know how to navigate much. So they say with mental health professionals, a lot of us get into the field because we are trying to figure out ourselves and our families and why we are the way they are, we are and why they are the way they are. And so that's why I got into it. But I worked with a very intense population that didn't have a lot of resources and didn't have a lot of support. So the burnout rate in the drug and alcohol field is very high. So I, of course, I was susceptible to it, especially for that being my first time counseling individuals. So when I left the field, it was really hard. It was a really hard decision for me. And I wanted to figure out how to still be an advocate for mental health 
and educate people about mental health and trauma, especially without having patience anymore um, because I, I care too much sometimes, I think. So this podcast, I hope, is a way to create community f- like for the things that people struggle with and don't want to talk about but are so important to talk about. And that's what I'm, I'm hoping that community comes out of this, a community of understanding and acceptance for the things that are really hard to get understanding and acceptance for. One thing we forgot to mention is we actually met in this field. We did. We <laughs> were working together in a behavioral office. And Not doing mental health no. work, but doing billing. <laughs> yes, which, you know, it still has to deal with the patients and, you know, helping people through as well. Some days when they were frustrated and things like that, which, you know, we completely understood. But it's kind of like one thing that drew us together as friends is how important trauma was and how more important it became to us when we saw or we experienced how much more there was out there than, you know, what we lived through, you know, like how hard it was for others as well. Like the further we have gotten in our own healing journey and learning more about mental health, the more we realized other people are not as in touch with it maybe and that it's something that needs to be shared and, and talked about more. And given some normalcy. Yes. For sure. Jackie, why should I care about trauma? So that is aptly the title of our first episode. I think that people should care more about trauma because it literally affects everyone. And part of that comes from the fact that it's actually a much broader definition than I think a lot of people realize. A lot of people will associate trauma with PTSD and then they'll associate PTSD with like veterans who saw active combat or like they've witnessed violence firsthand. And it's actually much more than that. And we we have a group that coincides with this on Facebook. And today I had posted in there about people sharing what else they think could be considered trauma alongside of active combat veterans and um, like survivors of violence. And people shared a lot of things. They said they shared about birth trauma, like when you someone's giving birth and they have an experience that doesn't go as planned, the, their baby maybe isn't as healthy as they thought they were going to be at first. Maybe they have a traumatic experience during their the birth themselves, a traumatic medical experience. You know, they plan on doing natural childbirth. It ends up being a C-section. Like, there's not a lot of room for women to be sad <laughs> about a birth experience that, that goes wrong because most people will say, just be thankful that your baby's healthy. Like, yeah, it didn't go ex- exactly as planned. and But obviously, like, there's a lot of feelings there. We had um, someone else share about how caregiving is for someone who has a long-term or chronic illness is also traumatic. And then alongside that, like the systemic 
issues that they face when they're fighting to get someone care (laughs) and a system that is supposed to be built to help and ends up being harder to get help than than it should be and then you know prevents a person from getting the care that they need the ones that I had added myself were adoption trauma foster care and unseen chronic illnesses so like people who have uh, genetic diseases that you don't necessarily see how it affects them, but it's always in the back of their mind on the day-to-day. And I think it's surprising, especially for people who like just get to learn about trauma, how exactly expansive it is. Because I feel like that's how it started for me with having conversations yeah. with you, which this is why we can talk for hours on the right. phone. <laughs> For me, at first, I am the person that didn't believe in this, didn't feel like there was anything wrong. I just went day to day with the struggle Mm -hmm. um, of feeling a certain way, of remembering certain things, of just working with what I had or what what was taught to me, which, you know, in my community is a big no-no to get sometimes the help that you need. So that was hard for me to adjust, um, which I think working at the mental health facility, realizing that, like, wow, I do need, you know, extra help. I need a little push here and there. Yeah. Um, But other than that, you know, I felt like this was something that I talked to family members about. And some of them weren't so sure of what it is because it's at the time, especially, it wasn't reaching to us yeah Um, like mental health in general yes yes on top of trauma yes (laughs) yes all of that so like you know for me now like even just us having conversations day by day Mm -hmm. we're realizing like you know how much more is needed even when like you said people try to get the help it's hard for them to actually get to it which I myself struggle with that a little bit with even finding a therapist, which is something that, you know, we helped each other through in a way. Oh, you helped me through, really. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm more of, like, the learning more with her <laughs> about this and experiencing the trauma and learning what every single little thing means and why, like, I feel the way I do. Like, by the way, did you realize that this is a trauma response? That's the- Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. A lot of awakenings have happened. Still, it's a work in progress. It's we. I feel like we always are a, a work in progress. Like, we can't forget in one second or one day right. what we went through. But I, I agree. There's so much more out there that needs to happen for us to get which is why we're doing what we're doing exactly exactly and I so when I worked as a counselor I worked at a methadone clinic um, which if you're not familiar with what methadone is it's medication assisted treatment for people who are actively using heroin and that there's a crisis with opioids in our country right now and so Not everybody agrees with medication-assisted treatment, but it did help keep people alive. And I think that that is what is really important. So I worked with that very high-risk population, 
and I I ran our one of the days of our intensive outpatient therapy and we kind of had a curriculum set up to teach people the basics of mental health and and even like the basics of like how your brain works and like how like why it's helpful to talk to a counselor and how to develop trust and how you know the importance of like being honest about treatment and all that sort of thing and there was one day where we would get to talk about trauma which I feel like is the basis of therapy in general which I'm sure we'll get into (laughs) later because I could talk about it for a really really long time but when I was so when we would do this particular one I would have I would tell the patients to imagine we would sit in a circle I would tell them to imagine that there were two people sitting in the center of the room and one person had loved the outdoors there wasn't a time that you couldn't find them not doing something outdoorsy Uh, mountain biking, skiing, skydiving, etc. And they end up in a car accident that causes them to be a paraplegic. So they can no longer do the things that they love anymore. They're totally dependent upon someone else to help them with their day-to-day occupational tasks. And then the second person in the middle of the room watched their entire family be murdered for no apparent reason, and they were the only survivor. And then you, I would have them try to imagine both of them sitting there and hearing their stories and then you have to tell them to their faces which one of them had it worse. And a lot of people would look at me and be like, holy crap, Jaggy, like that's what? <laughs> like, why are you making us do this? And like both of those things are awful. And and I was like, I know, like it's super dark, but I like I promise I have a point. So just like go with me on it. And I need you to just think about it. Like, who would you tell? And so I would let him go for a few minutes and you could kind of see the wheels start turning, thinking about those people. And they would start to say, oh, well, you know, obviously the person who saw their family get murdered has it worse. Oh, no, no. But I think the person that is a paraplegic, they definitely have it worse because, you know, A, B, and C. And I would tell them that it the point is not about who has it worse. Um, It doesn't take away from their own pain, from their own story and their own grief, just to know that someone else also went through something that would be considered tragic. So when you start to share your own story and you say, at least this didn't happen to me or I didn't have it as bad as so-and-so, what are you trying to do by invalidating your own feelings and minimizing your own experience? Are you shaming yourself out of feeling sad I'd beg to differ that you're burying your pain, and I'm not sure how that is supposed to help you heal. So most of the time, I had them at that point at least reconsidering their viewpoint and then creating a conversation around that. And I think that scenario happens regularly in society where people throw these Band-Aid phrases over gaping wounds of others because they're uncomfortable with the fact that other people are sad or heartbroken, and it doesn't really help. Like this invalidation of an experience is not it's not helping anybody heal it's helping them feel shame and guilt about feeling sad about an event that happened to them or around them that is actually sad 
and big thing a big event right and what's big from person to person is going to vary exactly the same thing that like you know if if we left here this evening and like i got rear-ended pulling out of your neighborhood and you also got rear-ended pulling out of your neighborhood i might not be able to drive again for six months because it like scared me that bad and I don't want to get back into the car and you might be like eh whatever I'm like driving home <laughs> <laughs> right like uh eh, like it's fine and so I don't think we pay attention to that with people one in like to validate their experience at all and two to realize that two people can have the same experience and have very different reactions to it and not be affected in the same way and so, like, what actually would help people in those instances is to actually validate them and say, oh, my God, what you went through was awful. You must be so sad. You must feel so hurt instead of, yeah, but at least, yeah, like, at least you didn't, whatever. Like, it could have been so much worse. Like, did you hear about so-and-so? Like, they went through this. And like. Like, it it goes with the gratefulness part of, like, just be thankful and be grateful. Yes. But forget that this happened. Like, just move on. But in reality, you can't forget. Right. Like, there's absolutely a place for gratitude in life because Mm -hmm. I think... I, I I think it has a place. I think that you should be grateful for things. You should have time to sit and reflect and be thankful to have a warm blanket and a cup of coffee on a cold day or whatever. Like if that's what makes you happy, that's what makes you happy. But to sit there and say, I'm really grateful that I have a warm blanket and I have a cup of coffee and it's cold outside, so I'm going to forget that my dad used to beat my mom. Like, that's not <laughs> that's not how that – that's dark. That's dark humor, <laughs> which will probably keep coming up. But, like, that, but it's true. Like, you can't – like, when I say it out loud, it sounds ridiculous to say that. But I feel like that's what people do sometimes is that they say, oh, yeah, you know, just be grateful – and then you're supposed to minimize things that were truly awful that happened. And I I, I think you did that for a while. For a long time. Because I've always been, like, that's what I've been taught for my whole life. Mm-hmm. Like, be thankful for what you have. I mean, there was times where we didn't have a lot. Right. Um. So for me, it was always you know, instead of crying for this, be thankful that you have this. You know, you have a roof over your head. Be thankful for that. You eat. Be thankful for that. But, you know, also, like, there was things that, you know, obviously weren't right with the way I grew up that affected, you know, what I complained about and all that that had to do with that. Exactly. Um. So, yeah, it was hard for me to teach myself new ways and like validate yes, your own experience for sure. <laughs> yes because still till this day i have a hard time validating things and sometimes you have to remind me like hey <laughs> you know that that is important i know with a lot of the stuff that happened to me as a child i was like that's normal and then you know that's when you would be like uh, <laughs> i don't 
I don't think mm, so. I don't think so. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of the a lot of us have been taught that since we were younger. Yeah, I will say, I mean, I've been going to therapy off and on for 12 years now, and I've really been really like doing the work for myself over the past five, I would say. And I my first couple therapy experiences you know, I didn't have great therapists. And so, like, I would go and talk and, they, oh, well, are your parents alcoholics? No, they're not. Are you sure? What do you mean am I sure? Like, I, like I'm pretty sure. And I and so I, for a while there, I was like, am I making a big deal, like, out of nothing? Like, my whole, you know, childhood, when I would speak up and say hey I don't agree with this you know my dad would say uh, he was especially the one that would be like you have no idea how good you have it like you could have it so much worse and so uh, that kind of got ingrained in me from a young age to be like okay and then I finally go to a therapist because I'm like depressed as hell and I'm like I I'm looking for help and you're asking me if my parents are alcoholics they're not alcoholics so am I Am I wrong? Like, am I wrong <laughs> in yeah. feeling this way? Like I shouldn't be sad. Right. Because they're not alcoholics. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, then I think I kind of started thinking to myself too, like, okay, well, you know, if if you see like uh, domestic violence like pictured on TV, like if it, you're watching one of those like hospital dramas, like you're going to watch the it's going to be somebody that comes in and like their jaws wired shut and they're like in the hospital for a while. Well, that never happened to my mom. Like she would just have bruises on her arms or something. So like then I'm like, well, was it really like extreme domestic violence? Well, no. So like maybe I maybe I am like just like blowing this out of proportion. And so f even for myself, I had to, when I finally had a good therapist that was like validating that experience and being like, but Jackie, that's not normal. Like it doesn't matter if she was never in the hospital. It matters that it even happened in the first place because that's not, it's not a normal behavior for someone to hit someone and cause them pain. And and so I think you know I was at a, the same point that you were in my journey at some point to say how oh, uh this is bad. Like is this is this really like are you supposed to be this upset about it? And when I finally realized that I was allowed to be upset about it and it didn't have to be like the extreme um the extreme ways that like sometimes the the media will display it or something like that and those those things do happen like those are valid experiences for other people and just because those bad experiences happen for other people does not take away from the fact that I was scared a lot growing up and that affected me deeply to this day and I'm still working through some of that. And I still have to work on validating my own emotions sometimes because I don't I, I don't think I should feel that way. Because I wasn't taught how to deal with my emotions. And I wasn't taught 
if my parents were still around and I said that I had childhood trauma, they would disagree with me. I mean, I feel like it's the same way for a lot of us. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, if I was to discuss this, discuss this with my parents, it would be the same. A lot of them would think, like, hey, like, we did the best we could. And they, they probably did. Right. They didn't know any better. But at the same time, we also have to validate that this did happen and it affected me in a way that it affects me in adult life now. Uh, even yes. though I'm a mother with children, I'm still going through some of the things that, like, traumatized me as a child. Right. The PTSD is still there. Yes. And it it hangs on. And I don't... And that's, you know, that's something, too. Like, I think people think that they're going to... Once they, once they accept the idea of going to therapy, of accepting that mental health issues are issues that can be dealt with, I think then the expectation is, all right, well, I'm going to go to my therapist. We're going to go, I'm going to go to, you know, a session a week for a year and then I'm done. Like I'm, I'm like, fixed. it's I'm fixed. It's all good. Smooth sailing from here. Like I'm not going to have to worry about it. And the reality is which I just had this conversation with my therapist before she went on maternity leave to say, I think I realized that like I have been looking for like a fix this whole time. And this is maintenance. Like Mm -hmm. this is like, these are deep seated issues that like affected me in reality. I mean, I'm 34. It affected me for 27 years and, you know, until my dad passed away. And so to think to myself that like all of the sudden putting in like five years of work was going to negate 27 years of damage mm-hmm. that's unrealistic like it you know and even if I'm continuously doing better which like I I think I've seen a tremendous amount of improvement in myself over the over the last couple of years especially um because the pandemic left me with nothing but time to think and focus in on myself and have like nothing to really distract me from healing that I am very aware that I will probably always want to check in with a therapist even if I'm doing well because there are going to be things that happen throughout my life that will trigger me and make me have some kind of emotional response, no matter how much healing I do, because life is really complicated. <laughs> yeah. This is where you guys will get two different perspectives to our stories. I took a long time to actually go to a therapist, even though Jackie and I have had the talk for years. <laughs> um, I myself was like, no, I'm OK. I can do the work by myself. I can do it. Even before, I didn't believe I had anything to work on. I thought life, you know, I just worked, took care of my children, the house, everything was fine. But lately, especially after the pandemic, like you said, I'm realizing, you know, that there's so much work to be done and that I did need the extra help. Even though I have friends like Jackie and other friends that, you know, help me through life and support me. I still needed to support myself. And 
I needed the extra help. And I'm realizing how important it was for me to see and have that validation mm-hmm. by someone other than people that love me and know me to say, hey, like, you have stuff to work on. I think I think that's so like important what you pointed out that like to have an outside perspective validate you because of course the people well I won't say of course because not every- <laughs> not everybody in your bubble will like 100% validate especially if they feel guilty for like causing part of it I feel that with um, my parents with my mother exactly sometimes. but I I think that it is very clarifying to like have an outside person say to you hey that hurt that must have been really hard like that must have been difficult that what and on top of that that wasn't okay what happened to you yeah and to hear somebody say that that was not like it's it's not my therapist's job to, like, agree with me. Like, I don't yeah. pay them to agree with me. I'm sure there are, like, yes men out there for sure. But, like, you go to therapy to, like, have someone challenge your your beliefs about yourself and your, and your system. So when somebody says to you, that was fucked up, like, it takes it to another level. <laughs> and then, like, makes you be introspective to yourself to be like well wait a second if somebody else is saying that and they don't have to they don't have to say that to me well maybe it is yeah no and and like even with me because we were brought up differently Mm -hmm. we both had trauma in different ways and some similar Mm -hmm. um but at the same time you know i thought maybe it's the culture like the difference in our cult like Maybe my culture, for us, that's normal. Some of the stuff is normal. Right. But in reality, it's not. And that's where... Even if it's culturally acceptable, yes. it's not normal. It's not. <laughs> um, and I think for us, it's a lot... It's, it, I feel like therapy is a lot of aha moments. Like, mm-hmm. oh, like, ah. Like, <laughs> even with us having conversations sometimes. Right. Like, a lot of times when I'm like, why do I do this all the time? And you're like, well... Let's go back to this. And, and, you know, and vice versa. And then we're like, oh, that mm. makes sense. Yeah, like, okay, like, I've I've, I've got a handle on it now. Like, even yeah. just hearing somebody repeat something back to you is, like, you hear it from somebody else's perspective and you're like, yes. Oh. Yes. <laughs> and then you can start working from the root of the problem, which is, you know, still hard work. Right. But it's so much easier, I feel like. Yes. Uh, it's just a smoother ride for me. At least for me. Yeah, because I think I think trauma in general, and, and this is what I think not everybody's going to agree with, and it's not everybody's understanding. I fully believe that trauma is the root of the problem. And so all of these things that happen outside of that, like um, – you know, I would say like, you know, struggles with depression, struggles with anxiety, struggles with anger, um, struggles with relationships in any facet, romantic relationships, relationships with your kids, relationships with your friends, relationships with coworkers, relationships with, you know, I'm people that you see, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. at the gas station, like 
they're affected by trauma and how you interact with people if you don't interact well with people or you're always questioning like how other people feel about you or think about you or whatever like those are all rooted in trauma because initially somewhere along the line you didn't feel safe and in any realm it doesn't have to just be physical abuse emotional and mental abuse do a hell of a lot of damage too I think. And I think one of the things that's really hard for people, I would say probably parents especially, because we all have parents, is like admitting that they hurt us and owning it and realizing that like we're not coming at them to say like you hurt me, I hate you. It's not to hurt them. Right. It's not to hurt them. It's to build connection. To work on it together. Like, if you hurt my feelings, I would feel very comfortable coming to you and saying, hey, Paola, when you said this to me, I really felt hurt by that. And I wouldn't feel like you would then be like, well, that's not how I meant it. And that's not what I said. And you're taking it the wrong way. Like, I don't feel like you would turn it around back on me. I feel like... If I said that to you, like, you would own it and be like, and you might say, that's not what I meant to make you feel like. And I feel horrible that I made you feel that way. How can we fix it going forward? And I think that's what people are looking for in their relationships across the board is to go to someone and say, hey, this event really affected me. And then have that person, instead of getting defensive, say, I hear you, I see you, I hear that you are feeling really hurt, I hate that I hurt you, even if I didn't mean to, and then how can we make it better? Because it opens up a conversation, but that involves people taking responsibility and accountability and people get too defensive too quickly in order to allow like these really deep connections to take place, which also comes from trauma of like not feeling good enough, wanting to be perceived as a certain thing and not being perceived that way. And I do feel like that's something that I still struggle with. Yes. Um, working on not getting defensive and taking the criticism sometimes, not necessarily criticism, but you know, if it feels like criticism, yeah, and that's why, right. You know, because in my mind, I'm feeling like you're criticizing me. But in reality, that's not it. No. And and I think for me, that was one of my aha moments. Realizing that sometimes it's not to hurt ourselves. It's not to to hurt ourselves, but not to hurt each other. Right. Um, Which I think is one of, like, the nicest things, like, with our friendship that we've learned throughout the years. Whenever one of us (laughs) is having a hard time and we need an honest opinion, that's something that, you know... It right. comes from a good place, you know, and and we tell each other, even if we're not going to like necessarily be like, you're right completely. Right. We still like hear each other and we right. listen to each other, which I think is important in any kind of relationship or right. friendship. You know, I think that the inside joke for us is to say this is coming from a place of love for you. And, the, and then it you, is because it is coming. It's from not, a place. It's not necessarily a joke. It's actually <laughs> no, reality. Right. Like. 
But it sounds funny because is the repetitive. It's the repetitive thing to like be. But I also think like it is a safety reminder to each of us, though, too, to be like, I am not about to criticize you, but I am about to. I'm about to be truthful with you, in a way that you, if I, if I didn't approach it in the right way, you might take it the wrong way. And so I think you know we we laugh about it, but I also think it is like a safety measure too to be like, you know, I'm about to say this to you, and remember that I love you, like because we built that. Yes. And that's the point. Like, right. at the end of the day, it's the way you and I have built that with each other. Right. And we've been able to recognize that trauma in each other, which goes back to talking about why comforting the chaos came to be in the first place. Because we have been able to comfort chaos in each other a little bit. Yes. And especially in regards to some really, I mean, we've had some hard conversations about things that the both of us have gone through and we have approached it without judgment yes with a lot of understanding a lot of validation and a lot of love and I think I would love to see that happen for more people and I don't think it happens I I don't think it happens enough at all and I don't even think I I don't even think it happens to like make it on the on the map. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it started with with other people. It was hard for me to even accept, like I said, anything mm-hmm. kind of like that. And I still have a hard time with other people. Yeah. Which but that's something that I learned can be done now. Right. To build that right kind of relationship with someone, which I didn't before. It was like oh, well, like, it was more like, oh, they maybe don't like me or maybe they feel a certain way about me. Or, you know, it could have been done the other way, like, rude, don't want to be around them anymore <laughs> kind of thing. And that's also the part of the growth that we've yes. done. Yeah. Um, which is, again, what comforts the chaos for us. And, I, and that takes, like, a certain amount of, like, emotional maturity, too, Agreed. which I don't think everyone develops. And I don't say that in a way to be, like, pious and be like I'm so emotionally mature compared to other people but I've done a lot of work to like get in touch with my emotions and like I do I still don't always like I don't always feel comfortable like with what I'm feeling but the number one thing that I've done that I think has made it easier for me is I've gotten curious instead of judgmental about my feelings so Mm -hmm. not to say that I don't judge myself at first because I'll be like oh my god like why are you getting anxious again like come on like you like you could talk yourself down from this and I will then go in and be like well wait a second why are you feeling anxious can you validate yourself like for feeling this way like it makes sense like where does this come from and because I've done a lot of work to get in touch with where those feelings come from like the root of that the trauma that happened to make me feel that way it has made me be able to say, stay curious about it and then feel more comfortable when somebody else says, hey, I noticed this. And not anybody, you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, like, um, you know, there, there are, I will say, a handful of people that I would feel okay with calling me out on something. That I feel safe enough because I know it comes from a place of love 
Because you've built that with us. Right, exactly. And I think that that's the most important thing. That That's why reaching out sometimes and giving people the extra help when they need it mm-hmm. and, you know, making the right connections, you know, for them to get the help they need sometimes. Right. That's what builds that. Right. Like, that's what gets to where we are right now. Yeah, and I think saying, even when you don't say the right thing, mm-hmm. to say... I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing to be vulnerable like that is first of all, it's really special because it doesn't happen all the time. And I don't think that everybody deserves your vulnerability and like the deepest part of yourself. You know what I mean? But I will say that I think more people can benefit from having, you know, deeper relationships with other people where you can be your most authentic self and I can be wrong I like you and I have talked about this before um I had a therapist one time that was like oh like you can have friends that are just more like surface level friends that you go play a sport with or run with or I'm not gonna run (laughs) walk with (laughs) or whatever and like you don't have to talk about deep stuff but I feel like for me, and maybe this is, uh, we might have this conversation five years from now and it might be different. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I'm at right now is I've lacked so many deep level, authentic relationships that that's all I want right now. Like I, I'm not interested in putting energy into inauthentic relationships with people who are not in touch with their own feelings and emotions because that's where I'm at right now. So like, that's what I want to be surrounded with is like other people that are doing work on themselves or if they've already done work on themselves, that they're willing to go there with you and feel like a safe, a safe person. And like I said, that might change for me later, but that's kind of where, where I'm at currently with that like safety of people. Well, it's like building that connection. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of us, it's like figuring out new things every day. Right. You know? Right. I can tell sometimes, you know, like, with my best friends, what the next one's going to, like, I know what you're going to say sometimes. <laughs> like, it's that deeper connection right. in a way. Like, you know, I think is important because that way you can tell when your friend is sad, you know they need you. Right. So you can tell they're sad. Sometimes some people don't just say they're sad or upset well like how many times throughout the day I mean you're working from home now so we don't have and I'm stay at home mom now so we don't run into it as much as we did in the past but like how many times do you like run into someone in public and they say hey how are you and you say fine good whatever but is that like that's not actually how you really feel no and so that's not how you really feel is not you're of course you're probably not going to like spill your guts to someone you hardly know at the grocery store but it if you really think about it it's weird that that is like a the common phrase how are you but I don't really want to know how you are I want you to really quick tell me you're good and then I'm going to be like all right great to see you run down the I wonder the if bread that... aisle. <laughs> I wonder if, like, maybe back in the day that was more of, like, a conversation starter, and now they maybe it's not. 
That's true. That's a really valid point. Which is something that, you know, might have changed throughout the years. Now it's just so, like, such a repetitive thing that, you know, I found myself at the grocery store when people say, hi, how are you today? And I'm like, good, how are you? And then it's like, I'm not really listening to why they even answer. It's like a robotic response. It is. And and, and I catch myself sometimes like, I didn't even hear what she said. You know, right. and then I feel like sad that I didn't even and they probably weren't even being honest with me like I wasn't maybe being honest with that. I could say right. I'm super tired today. Right. right. But, you know, I just it's I guess it's what we're used to. And, and that's the things that sometimes we don't notice. Exactly. Because the and like I've said that before, too, like I feel like with the internet, social media, however you feel about it in whatever capacity, we're the most connected we've ever been. And we're also the most disconnected we've ever been. You know, people are behind their keyboards or behind their, you know, their phones or whatever, and they can say whatever. And like, it doesn't have to go very deep. And people can post pictures that are snippets of life and like, don't tell, you know, the whole, the whole story, right? And so there, there's more comparison now without even knowing what's actually going on. And, like, people don't connect at that deeper level all the time. So I think, I think you're really r- right that, like, there was probably a time where people said, hey, how are you? And they meant it. And, they, and that was going to open up, like, more of a conversation for connection because I think – the further you go back in time, the more people really had to rely on connection to be able to function. And we're further and further away from that, which I think makes us even further disconnected from the root causes of why people are the way they are and then why they struggle with connection in the first place. I agree. It's like when people used to have neighbors and they were able to like you know, have their kids babysit, like, or have the neighbors babysit mm-hmm. and things like that, you know, and have those conversations where, like where now phrase... some people don't even know yeah, their neighbors like that. Right. Like, I, that's where, like, that phrase, like, it takes a village, like, in reference to, like, yeah. raising a child, like, people would pitch in and do that. And I don't think people have, I mean, there are some people that I think, I mean, they're really lucky to have the village that they do, but I think there are a lot more people that really don't have have a healthy and safe village to to help out not just with their kids but like life in general right like that like supportive community to be able to feel safe in validated validated yes yes which is this is why we find this topic as important as you know we do yeah because we feel like a lot of us go through life not being validated or not comforting ourselves or, you know, the people around us that might need the comfort. Mm-hmm. So within each other, we have found that. But, you know, we also, like, get the help where we need it. Mm-hmm. We have the conversations with the people we need to have it, you know. I'm still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress, mm-hmm. you know. We're in two different what we say levels or sections in life or you know two different I would say I wouldn't even say levels I would say we're at two different spots yes. because either one of us could drop back down That's or go true. back up at at completely. any point because it depends on what happens exactly throughout life and that's completely true and and you know that's why trauma is such a 
big subject, mm-hmm. um, which is why we wanted to start this, to have these conversations and, you know, let people know, like, you're not alone. Right. Yes. Like, you know, we are a work in progress. We are all a work in progress. And, and that's something that hopefully, you know, you guys can relate to us, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think on, like, the topic of, like, invalidation, like, I think invalidation is really isolating because if you tell me you're going through something mm-hmm. and I say to you, well, at, let's look on the bright side. Like, let's let's find what we can be positive about. I now have, like, diminished our chance for, like, a real authentic connection with the fact that I am, like, trying to fix you in that moment to say, oh, but I don't, I don't, like, your sad makes me feel icky. And I don't want to feel sad because I'm not even comfortable with when I'm sad myself. So I need you to feel a certain way in order for me to feel okay while minimizing the fact that you don't feel okay, but because I'm uncomfortable, I need to make you feel okay. And like that invalidation and minimizing a situation, you it's you know me, it's one of my biggest, it's one of my biggest pet peeves. And I talk about it like all the time. I'll be like, oh, like it annoyed me when like so-and-so said this. And because I feel like it's like minimizing my experience or something like that. And it it is isolating though. It's isolating and is avoids connection because people are uncomfortable with their own feelings. So if we turn it around and, you know, I say, you tell me you're going through a hard time and I say to you, that must be really hard. What does that feel like? I feel like you're already validating me and you already care about helping or not even just helping. Right. But just listening to me. Right. Like it just feels like, but it feels like you are able to even like just help me find or not I don't want to say like like fix me or anything like that but help me find or or at least give me the the chance to to find in my brain or my head hey something's wrong and we you know we can work on it together or you can do the work on your own but it's there right or like even if I say to you like you know, that must be really frustrating. It gives you the chance to say, well, I'm, I'm more sad than frustrated. Yeah. And like gives you, it gives you space to say how you actually feel. And maybe it gives you time in your own brain to say, this is how I feel. But no matter what, it's giving you space for any of that versus like, versus me saying like, oh, it's okay. Everything happens for a reason. Brighter days are ahead. Chin up, buttercup. Like, you're you're going to make it. Like, the, all of that, like, while positive. And I will say, I want to make sure that I point this out. It is positive, and it comes with good intention when yes. someone is trying to sugarcoat something for you. And it is not helpful. It is positive and it is well-intentioned and it is not helpful because you're ultimately invalidating or minimizing someone's situation and I'm sure that I've done that myself I've made that mistake myself like I've said the words myself to somebody else but like now that was one of my aha moments yeah where I'm like you know I maybe said to somebody like 
you know, just be happy you're, because that's what I've been taught. Right. Just be happy you have food to eat. Or, you know, there's other people that have it worse. They don't have any food. Right. Um, as a child, that happened right. a lot to me, you know. And I can see how that affected me now in adult <laughs> life. Right. But, right. you know, it's just, I, I can see myself, you know, growing and learning that as well. But I feel like at first I was also defensive about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, like, I'm still being nice. Right, right. You know, but I didn't realize how at the end of the day that can affect somebody or it's not going to do much for somebody or right. not enough. Right. And I think that's like part of learning about this more in depth. There's like an initiative called like trauma informed care, which I, when we worked at the hospital together, they had put that together. Um, and I was part of that team to like try and implement what trauma informed care looks like. And it, it is that it's looking at, that's why I always say like, it's more than just like, look, like setting it up at like a professional facility. Like I try to look at my life through a trauma informed care lens of like, how, how does this feel when I say this to someone, when someone says this to me, where is it coming from? And it takes a lot more effort, I would say, to like look at things that way and like to be really mindful of like, you know, did that person have a rough morning? And is that why they didn't say hi to me in the hallway (laughs) or something? Or, you know, instead of being like, oh, that was rude. Or like, is this person not merging onto the highway? Because they were in a car accident, so they're super hesitant to, like, merge into traffic. And I don't need to be as impatient being like, oh, my God, like, get a move on, whatever. Because you don't take things so personally personally anymore. Not all the time. (laughs) It depends on who it is. I think it depends on the relationship. I think I'm a lot better at doing it with strangers than I am at doing it with people that I'm closer to. I still have a hard time sometimes with people that I'm close with that I'll be like, what do you, what are you thinking about me right now? Like, what are you, like, what, what did I do wrong in this situation? Like I, I will, I'm very quick to like put myself as the person to blame in a situation and when I get curious about that later I'm like wait a second no you're not which is like part of like the the growth process sometimes you are the problem like when (laughs) I know when when you're not like when you're still working like you're not always going to be perfect in like dealing with things but sometimes you're not and so and then that's when you have to like get curious and be like am I taking this personally because of an actual reason did I actually do something or am I projecting my own feelings about how I feel about myself onto this situation and then misconstruing it into something that it's not and I would say that is something that I still struggle with with closer relationships versus like the person merging onto the highway or the person that doesn't hold the door for me at the store So everything we've talked about today, even if it's kind of gone off in some tangents, like it still is about the same topic. And it's why we have that's why we wanted to start this 
is to create a space that is hopefully safe enough for people to want to engage in these really they're uncomfortable conversations I'm just gonna say that like it's uncomfortable it feels yucky it doesn't feel it's not happy it's a heavy topic I think it's hard to talk about sometimes and it's incredibly important and it's incredibly important because we are we as humans were created to connect with other people I think and I think in order to have authentic connection with other people, we have to get really vulnerable and authentic and like down and dirty with ourselves to say, this is how I feel. I'm going to be my most authentic self. How do I become my most authentic self? Like, And how do I have hard conversations with people that I feel safe with? And how do I establish that safety if I'm not 100% sure what that safety looks like, depending on what had been taught or not and I really we really hope that this creates a sense of community where people even if you're not talking about it with us that you start talking about it amongst yourselves and or at least start getting curious about what this topic means for you and that you know we start comforting our chaos exactly when you know we we don't know how to work with it. We're learning, right? Exactly. As we go, and that I, I that also I think is really important too. I would. We've both been pretty transparent with the fact that like neither one of us have this perfectly figured out, and I think that that's the point of us wanting to do this because there are tons of resources out there with professionals that feel like they have all the answers and. And everything. And those are great resources. And those are resources that we're going to refer to because we've we've used them on our own journey. But we want to be authentic and real with the fact that we are not perfect. We don't have all the answers. We might say the wrong thing. Sometimes we might learn something new that changes our opinion about what we you know talked about before. And the point is to be creating community where we grow together and make mistakes and admit that we're not perfect and talk about it because that's that's yes. part of it. Yes, I definitely agree. We are about out of time today for today's episode, but next time we are going to discuss the book What Happened to You by Dr. Bruce Perry, Oprah Winfrey. That book is an absolute must read in general, but it's it, it's a very expansive introduction to trauma, especially when you're just first learning about it. We are actually doing a giveaway on um, Facebook in our Facebook group, which is entitled Comforting the Chaos. And so you can feel free to join that group on Facebook. And we've got some really, we've had some really nice conversations going in there lately, which are great. And then you can also follow us on Instagram at Comforting the Chaos as well. I update Instagram and the group uh, with with the same information so you can engage in conversations know when the next episode is going to come out know when we're having technical difficulties Mm -hmm. (laughs) and something gets delayed Um, but those are the best places to keep up to date on what is going on with us of course feel free to grab a copy at your local bookstore or online to follow along with us over the next couple of episodes as we talk about about it in detail 
Thank you so much for joining us today on Comforting the Chaos. Hopefully only the first of many podcasts and stay tuned for our next episode.